The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. And uh, Lord willing, we will walk through these 18 verses here uh, that make up the first chapter of Second Timothy chapter 1. Um, you know, maybe you've been to a service where you've seen someone set apart for gospel ministry. Maybe you've not. Uh, we've had the privilege here of ordaining and setting apart um, a few men uh, in, in years past. Um, I can go back, Wallace can go back years when Wallace was the pastor here and, and uh, probably name uh, men that we've, we have ordained and set apart for ministry uh, going way, way back. Uh, but I just want to recall just some names just in recent years. Uh, you remember Donald Thomas, who's now pastoring up in Maine, and uh, Greg uh, Mathis, who's now uh, in the Charlotte area serving a church there. Uh, Ethan um, here uh, as our worship leader here. Uh, and there have been others. And uh, this is a beautiful thing to see God call men to serve him and then be willing to say, I'll go. I'll go wherever you lead me to go. Um, wherever that is, Lord, use my life to make much of you. So this is no small thing, and I just want to remind you of that. I have um, a lot of what I'm going to do in this sermon today is I'm going to be speaking, a lot of it will be spoken to Matt uh, and to Allie, uh, but also to us as a congregation as we affirm them in this call. Uh, I have often heard uh, more seasoned pastors advise younger men uh, who are contemplating a career in ministry that if they could be happy doing anything else then go do that. Uh, and for those in ministry, uh, I've been in ministry now for um, a vocational ministry uh, for over two decades, and, and there are men in the room who have been longer than me. Uh, they would probably affirm that, that if you can find yourself happy doing anything besides vocational ministry, go do that. And, and the reason there is because the work that you will be called to is, uh, you need the affirmation of that calling. You need the rock-solid roots of that call to be able to stick it out. Because I don't know if you all know this or not, but church people are not always nice. Um, sometimes uh, feelings get hurt and opinions get shared and, uh, and people are, are bitter. People are coming from other hurt situations. And a natural target is the guy who stands at the front. And so that, that call is, um, is going to be crucial to you. Uh, Brian Croft, who pastors the, uh, the Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, has written a new book, just come out, called Biblical Church Revitalization. And um, in that book, uh, he writes about the need for, and I, I spoke of it earlier, the internal call of God, where, Matt, you sense from God, God calling you to this vocational ministry, giving your life in service of that, uh, but also the external calling from the church. And so what we did just a few minutes ago was affirming that call and giving this external call that we're saying as a church, one of the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saying we believe Matt is indeed set apart for this work. Um, Croft in this book, he said, over the last century, the role of the local church and the importance of the external call have diminished. And one can argue that even the need for an internal call is seen as less important today as people treat pastoral ministry as just one career option among many. Um, Matt, the purpose of this, uh, this ordination 
is to give weighty testimony that we, a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, affirm a visible gifting and calling on your life by God for gospel ministry. Uh, we, we, want to, we, we want to say by setting this service apart and setting you apart that, that ministry is not simply one more career choice. It's not simply something that if you score high enough on an aptitude test in, in, uh, uh, in, in your high school or whatever that, hey, maybe this is a good choice for you. Uh, we're saying that, um, that there needs to be this sense of call. And so we're saying we know that you have sensed it and we affirm it as well. I want to walk through this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and just point out some things that will be um, true of Matt and true for Matt and Allie. And, uh, and I believe very valuable to them uh, in the years to come. Uh, let me read this passage for us, and then I'll, I'll walk through it with you. Second, Second Timothy chapter 1, and I'm going to read the entire chapter, so follow along with me in your copy of God's Word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwells, dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of power, not, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed." And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, uh, among whom are uh, Phagellus and Hermogenes, uh, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesephorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed by, of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Now, this passage uh, is one that points out some, I think, solid, meaty things for Matt and Allie uh, as they... Uh, continue. They, they have already been serving in ministry, but as they continue to serve together in ministry. And I just want to show you a few of these. Number one, Matt, we are saying that we think your faith is real. Um, when Paul here writes to Timothy, his beloved child he refers to him as, uh, those are not just 
words that you include in a letter, uh, Paul is writing to the one he believes is truly his son in the ministry. In verse 5, he says, I've, I've witnessed in you a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother and also in your mother, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Matt, we have watched you develop a, a love for God's people here at Abner Creek. Four years ago, uh, roughly four years ago, a little, probably a little longer than four years now, right? Uh, a little longer than four years. Uh, maybe even closer to five by now. We're getting somewhere in there. Four to five years. We have watched Matt. Matt came in as a, uh, as a freshman at North Greenville University. Uh, he, he arrived on the scene with Jed Stevens. And, uh, and just began to kind of show up. Parker was with him and others, and, and they, just, they just showed up. And they had every intention to, to visit other churches, but the Lord had other plans. And uh, they never made it to those other churches. They just sort of stayed here, and they just fell in love with Abner Creek. And uh, I'll, I'll, I still have memories of Matt um, uh, in those early days, one of the first fall festivals we ever did, and watching Matt just serve in the parking ministry and uh, seeing, him, seeing him so excited out there serving in the parking ministry and to get to wear that vest. And he was so excited, I get to wear this vest, and I get to tell people where to park and all this, and he just jumped right in. And, and we've seen him over the years, we've seen him fall in love with not just the people, um, and I, I hope you've picked up on this as the faith family here at Abner Creek, as Matt lingers among you, and as he, as he speaks to you and wants to know you, uh, that he loves you. And that is not a mark simply of... of um, that he's going to be a good salesman in this. Uh, it's, it's a genuine love that is a mark of the Spirit residing within him. The Bible says that all genuine believers have a love for other believers, and that has been evident not only in Matt, but, Allie, I would say in you as well. Uh, you have loved this church well, and, uh, and you guys, that, that has become so obvious to us. We've watched Matt serve in, in, uh, in the student ministry faithfully. Uh, we've watched him serve in the children's ministry. Um, uh, my, my wife and, uh, and Matt uh, are, are on the schedule together. Is it twos and threes that you all uh, do your rotation together? And, uh, and I think my wife kind of sees herself as like this sort of uh, additional mom to Matt back there and kind of can boss him around back there. But, but, uh, but Matt, Matt has served faithfully back there doing a rotation with the children's ministry, and, and he served in the fall festival. We've, we've witnessed him and, and heard him preach in this pulpit. Uh, and many of you have said to me, man, that, that sermon that Matt preached. Uh, one person said it this way. I won't name the name of the person. Uh, not that I shouldn't name the name, but one person said, uh, boy, boy, he hit that ball, and that ball's still sailing. Um, and, and we know that, Matt, we've seen in you an ability to preach. Um, we've, uh, if you're on social media, you've seen Matt do those goofy midweek update videos uh, where you never know kind of what's going to happen or what's going to go on there. Sometimes there's a blooper reel and all those things. But all of that is a testimony that Matt is here because his faith is real. He's genuine. Um, I sat here personally um, uh, in, in that that uh, January 1st prayer service that we did together and was blown away. These guys didn't tell me what they were going to do. Um, and Matt, Matt wrote all that and constructed all that and just prayed for his pastor and his pastor's wife and led you to do that and pray for our family. And all of this is a testimony that, Matt, we see your faith as being real. We've watched, Matt, you extend the grace of the gospel to others in, in, the, in this faith family, pointing to the fact that you have first received the grace of the gospel. 
Um, we've watched you exhibit the, the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and while, Matt, you live with yourself every single day and you are very aware of your own faults and your own flaws, and you know your, your sinful tendencies and you know your own thoughts in your heart, um, we don't see all those things. We know they're there. Uh, we know you're not perfect in any way. We know you're a long way from it, as all of us are. But we see in you a genuine faith, and we affirm that today. But secondly, I, I would say to you that this passage just reminds us that, Matt, your calling is of grace. In verses 8 and 9, it says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Matt, not only were you saved by grace alone, but you were called to a holy calling by grace alone as well. Um, Neither of those things, your, your calling to salvation or your calling to ministry, were due to your own abilities, um, to your own works, but because of, as the text here says, his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And, and to, to Matt, what I'd say to you right now, uh, and Allie as well, because you are married to Matt and you're going to be his partner in crime or ministry, I should say, um, Right now, just imagine if you can, and, and maybe this is not the right context, but over the next few days, and spend some time imagining your best days that you could imagine in ministry. And then go to the opposite extreme and imagine the worst days you could ever imagine in ministry. And what I would say to you today is that your imagination can't touch the reality of what you'll experience. And, and that is a joy-filled promise, and that is an incredibly frightening promise. But you need to be sober about the reality of what you're being called to. Um, if you're going into ministry expecting a safe place where no suffering will ever come your way, you will be sorely disappointed. But I want you to take heart because God uses that suffering. He doesn't waste any bit of that suffering. Brian Croft in his book said, God grows a unique discernment and wisdom in a pastor through the pastoral scars of the journey. Nothing can serve a pastor as well as the wisdom wrought by scars. And that's a good reminder for us. If you were to talk to anybody who has served in vocational ministry, uh, these guys that came to you, uh, talk to anybody else out there that's been in ministry for a while, we, we could share with you some horror stories. Um, Wallace has been around long enough that he could probably tell you the, the most horror stories, uh, but he can also tell you that God used those things in his life to, to grow him the most, to give him the most wisdom. Um, and so don't, don't be afraid of those things because God will use even those. Don't waste those tough times. But ministry is also better than anything I could have ever dreamed for myself. Uh, I've had experiences and made lifelong friends and been a part of many incredible things that God is doing, and I, I never could have imagined them all. Um, uh, sitting, studying um, two days ago uh, in a coffee shop and got a text message from a, from a former uh, staff member and former student just asking questions. Hey, how do I handle this? Um, Got a, a message from a, a former student when I was a student ministry all the way back in 1995 uh, who was just asking me some questions about some things. Those are, those are relationships that I never could have imagined I would make, 
and it still would be in existence today, and you will have some experiences that will be absolutely incredible. There will be days when you will begrudge your calling, you will curse it, you will resign from it. Uh, many pastors will tell you Monday morning is, is, uh, is a terrible day for them. Most pastors spend Monday resigning uh, from, from their position, uh, and then Tuesday they reapply. Uh, and, and that's the reality of it is because uh, Sundays we get hit with a lot of things and, uh, and it just doesn't seem worth it and, and sometimes we want to walk away and there will be days when you will feel that way and don't in that moment think well maybe I was wrong maybe God hasn't called me go back to this go back to that internal and external calling and realize that God has indeed called me and there will be days when you'll, you'll have like that, but don't ever forget that it is one of the most gracious acts that God will ever bestow is to call you to be a vocational minister. This is a good, good act of God's grace. Third, in this passage, I, I would just tell you that uh, your ministry is not your ministry. Your ministry is not your ministry. In, in verses 9, and 11, 9 through 11, we see this. Uh, you'll be tempted with the same temptation that befell Satan, which is pride. Um, I, I've been doing this long enough to know that sometimes in ministry, and many of you have been in churches long enough to know, you realize that uh, sometimes uh, the guy up front uh, can develop a following of people that it, they, it almost seems as if people follow him blindly. And they, they, they amen the things that he says and they'll do this and do that. And, and I know that there, there will be, at times be those people uh, they will think you hung the moon. Um, but there are also, in that same congregation, people who don't think you hung the moon but, but think that you're to blame for everything else, right? They'll blame the rain on you and everything else. Uh, and and it's, it's everything in between. Your ministry is not your ministry. Don't ever fall prey to the, ministry or to, to the temptation of pride uh, just because people are telling you things like, oh, you're a good preacher or you're a good teacher You've got, man, great people skills. I just like to be around you. Uh, those are good things, and, and we, should have, we should be thankful for those, appreciate those when they come, but don't ever let them go to your head um, in, an, in an evil, sinful way. Don't ever forget that your ministry is not your ministry because you are not the point. God is. Um, I stand in this this place every week before you as your pastor, and, uh, and I, I pray that I have never given you the impression that it, this was about me or that this was about you or that it was collectively about any of us. The reality is we are here because there was a God in heaven who was so gracious that when we were running our hellbound race, looked at us, called us to himself, provided the Savior that we needed, and now calls us to follow him, be obedient to him, work for him. He's worthy of all of our service. He is the point. The Bible here in verses 9 through 11, Paul says, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which, those are two big important words, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Paul says, look, the only reason I'm serving in this role, the only reason I'm an apostle, a preacher, a teacher, is because 
our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death, death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, he has called me. So your ministry is not your ministry. In verse 12, we see uh, the reality of suffering. And I don't want this to sound uh, overly heavy and as if ministry is no joy at all because ministry is an incredible joy. But the reality is, Matt, you need to know at the, at the beginning that your strength will never be enough. That you will indeed suffer. Verse 8, Paul said to Timothy, Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel. Do you know that when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, Paul was chained in, in, in the famous um, Mamertine prison in Rome? And this prison was a dismal underground chamber with a single hole in the ceiling for light and air. This is where Paul's writing this from. He'd already been tried and was expecting the ex executioners to come any day. And it's in those circumstances that he writes to Timothy, his beloved son, and says, don't be ashamed of my sufferings, but willingly suffer with me for the sake of the gospel. There will be times when you will realize you will be very aware that your strength is not enough. Uh, Kent Hughes, in his commentary on this passage, said, The old warrior is chained in a dripping, winter-cold dungeon awaiting the executioner's axe. And as he surveys his life, his conversion, then the kaleidoscope of sermons preached and shipwrecks and confrontations, deliverances, stonings, beatings, and victories, his conscience is absolutely clear. There is no guilt, no weight of unresolved sins, there's nothing to confess. He'd been true to the gospel and his calling. He was not sinless, but he was blameless, and he was faithful. You will suffer, and you will be aware that your strength is not enough. There will be times when you'll be tempted to leave the sound words, as Paul talks about in verses 13 and 14. Uh, Matt and Allie, I would, I would say to you, and I'm, uh, I'm right there with you because I've got... Um, a few decades left of ministry, but we will serve in a time like the world has never known. Um, we will minister as no other time in history. The culture is rapidly shifting away from biblical truth claims. Um, certain tenets of the gospel can no longer be assumed. Uh, we can no longer simply start in the middle of the gospel and expect people to understand why they need the gospel. There is a segment of society that is advocating for free speech for everybody except for the Christian. And you will hear that and face that in, in your own ministry as, as, as I will increasingly as well. The world will say, believe whatever you want to believe, just don't bring it into the public square. And by the way, this is for every person here, not just for Matt. For every person here who is a blood-blocked believer in, in the Lord Jesus, you're a follower of Him, uh, the world will say to you, it's fine for you to meet like this. It's fine for you to believe what you want. It's fine for you to have your own personal quiet times. It's fine for you to pray in your own private setting. But man, don't ever bring that out in public. Don't bring that in the workplace. Don't bring that out into, into where we are gathered because that's off limits. And so for every believer, not just those that are in vocational ministry, living and following Christ will indeed get harder as the days progress. Matt, you'll be tempted to leave the sound words. You'll be tempted to water it down, to play it safe, to tell people what they want to hear. But I would stand here and tell you, don't do that. Stay the course. Stick to those sound words. We have, we have 
the definitive word of God that has been delivered to us, that's been given to us, God has indeed spoken. There is no need for us to go beyond this book, to, to hunt for something to tell our people. We don't have to be so creative that we leave off from the Bible and think that now we have something that the people, uh, the, the people of the world need. Instead, God has said, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is what I expect of you. This is what I have done for you. This is how you can know me. So don't ever leave off from these things. Don't shy away from the, the hard things of Scripture. To this congregation, I would say to you, I would just remind you, that's why I preach through books of the Bible, dealing verse by verse, is because I am forced to come across things that if, if I weren't going through it verse by verse and made that a public commitment to you, I might skip over those things. But God in his infinite wisdom has deemed it necessary that we hear those things and that we understand what he thinks about those things. That he is God. That he has the right to say what is right and what is wrong. That he has the right to call the shots, and we don't. So don't back up from those things. Matt and Allie, there will be times when you will be lonely in ministry. In verse 15, we see this. Luke was the only one who was still with him. Uh, Demas had, had left him because he was in love with the present world. Uh, Cretans and, and Titus had gone on to other cities. The church in Ephesus, where Timothy was pastoring, had deteriorated all around him. And I'm sure that Timothy was going to feel lonely. And Paul's telling, Paul's telling him, look, I know the loneliness that comes in ministry. I'm so thankful that I serve in an area where I have other godly pastors around me that I can meet with once a month, and I can... I can listen to them, and I can pour my heart out to them. We, we, we pray together. We cry together. We laugh together. We do life together. And I would encourage you to find some people like that around you. Here Paul writes, All who are in Asia have turned away from me. And the reality is this really probably wasn't exactly true, but it felt like it to Paul. He knew what it felt like to feel utterly abandoned. And there will be times when you will feel utterly alone as well. And so I would encourage you to be ready for those times and to put some people around you so that you have a solace uh, when those times come. And the last thing I'll, I'll say to you from this text today is um, don't forget to tend the fire. Um, we love a fire in our house, uh, not, not actually in the house, in our fireplace is where we, we prefer the fire to be. Um, uh, we, we love to burn real wood. Um, we, learn, we love to hear the, the, the crackle of the wood and to see the flames, and, and we, we just kind of love all things about it. I, I love to, to work with the wood and, and, uh, and, and uh, actually kind of enjoy uh, at times splitting it and stacking it and all that sort of thing. Um, but, but if I build a fire in there at the beginning of the evening and I don't tend that fire, what happens to that fire? That fire goes out. If I don't at times stoke that fire or add, add fuel to that fire, bring more, more logs in and, and place those on the fire, then that fire will not last very long. Well, Paul here says to Timothy, don't forget to tend the fire of your own spiritual walk. In verse 7 he says, you need to appropriate his gifts. Um, verse 7, let me just read it again. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love 
and self-control or self-discipline. And you need to pick those things up and put them to work. Oswald Chambers said, No healthy saint ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will, as Paul did, whether it means suffering or not. So in the midst of that, if you know what you're going into, and I've tried to make it abundantly clear to you today, we'll, some will walk out of this, this today and you'll go, well, I'm glad God didn't call me because I don't want to go into that. Uh, and that's not, the, that, that's not hopefully what, what you, you walk away with today. Um, I, I hope you hear from me also that this is the most joy I could have ever imagined and more for my life. But if you know that you're going to walk into some things, you better take those gifts, those things that God gives to you, and pick them up and put them into practice. It's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. You need to rely on His power. We see this in verses 8 and verse 12 and verse 14. Brian Chappell, in, in, uh, in one of his books, said, Timothy was not at all like Paul, the great apostle. I mean, Paul was this sort of boisterous guy who wrote half the New Testament, and Timothy's not that at all. And Brian Chapel goes on, he says, he, he was still young and to a large extent inexperienced. He had a weak constitution. He had frequent ailments and a weak stomach. He was timid by nature. He was naturally shy. He was an introvert. And Paul, by contrast, was mature and experienced and constitutionally tough. He was lion-hearted, not young or weak and shy like Timothy. Uh, and yet, not only did Paul love Timothy, but he believed in Timothy. And Paul knew the, the difference between what he saw in his own life and what he saw in Timothy. Well, why does Paul believe in him? And Paul believed in Timothy because God had made him who he was and because God was at work in Timothy to make him adequate for ministry. Um, I've already spoken of, and and and. and I've already spoken of your ability to preach. And, um, and I, I think everybody here who's heard you preach would say, yes, Matt is a great preacher. Uh, Matt had the opportunity to preach up at North Greenville University in chapel in his senior year. And uh, I've heard professors talk about that sermon as well. So, Matt, there's going to be areas where, where your head could swell a little bit and say, you know, hey, I, I feel pretty good here. But you're going to come up against some things that are going to make you feel like you have no strength at all. And, and you're going to be tempted in that moment to run away or to try to be something that you're not. Don't ever forget that God has called you knowing full well who you are and how he made you, and he is the one who will equip you for what he sends you into. Um, if you sense that God is calling you to do something far beyond your natural capabilities, you can take heart from Timothy's life. In truth, God always calls us to minister beyond our natural endowments, no matter how great they are. You may be naturally eloquent, but, but your giftedness will never be sufficient to preach the word. You may be merciful by nature, but that is not enough to be able to live out the full call of God to be merciful. Take heart. God's call is always too great for us to do in ourselves. But if he calls you, he will equip and enable you to do it. When I was in student ministry, when I, when I went into ministry, man, the, uh, the thing that scared me the most was speaking in public. It's the one thing that, that I said, Lord, uh, nope, can't do that, Lord. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm terrified there. I'm not a good speaker, Lord, so, so leave, leave me alone, God. Uh, move on to the next guy. And I have found, while I still have a long way to go in public speaking and, and preaching and delivery, I have found that God has met me where I was. And he's never let me down. He's never left me wanting 
There have been times where I've preached sermons that I have brought in early. <laughs> I've landed the plane because we were in trouble. You know, the engines had shut down, and we just bring that one in, right? And you walk away from that, and you're discouraged in that, but you realize that was more about you than it was about him. And you realize, God, you've never, you've never abandoned me. You've called me to this, and you will equip me for it. And sometimes we need those reminders of those bad deliveries to remind ourselves that we, we, we minister in his strength, not our own. I, I would tell you, in your tending of your own fire, to know him, not just to know facts about him. Verse 12 deals with that. Verse 13, to live what you preach. Let me just read verses 12 and 13 again to you. Paul says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So he knows more than facts, but he knows God because he's walked with him. Verse 13, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So don't, don't allow your words and your life to not line up. Live what you preach. The last thing I would say to you as he's coming out of verses 16 and 18 in the tending of your fire to find an Onesephorus that can speak into your life, that can serve you well, that can minister to you. You will be tempted to isolate yourself in ministry. You know, ministry can be sometimes so stinking lonely because it's so easy for us to just pull away. Uh, I've, I've personally been hurt by people in ministry some of the ugliest people I have ever met in my life have been church members. And I'm not talking about here. I'm just talking about in the last over two decades of ministry. Some of the ugliest people I've, I've been talked to by people that, man, nobody out in the secular world would dream of talking to me that way. And I'm not talking about me that way. I'm talking about anybody that way. You know, I, I've seen my wife get berated over things that were just so insignificant. They were so ugly. And so sometimes, man, people will hurt you. And so the natural thing is when, when somebody, when you're serving a, a church and somebody hurts you, they lash out you like that, the, the, the first tendency is, well, I'll just pull away and I won't open up and I won't let anybody know anything about me. I'll just keep up this facade, this wall, so that I'm, I'm impenetrable. Nobody can hurt me. And that's going to be the temptation is for you to isolate yourself, to open up to nobody for the fear of them hurting you or burning you. But C.S. Lewis, I love this quote. C.S. Lewis said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. He went on and he said, if you don't want to be hurt, give yourself to no one, not even a cat. Uh, Kent Hughes went on and he was maybe a little more serious in, in his reply. And he said, you have to be in a real relationship with people for them to really hurt you. People you do not know cannot hurt you. Hurt comes when you have known them, loved them, and invested in them. And so the, the temptation, you're saying, well, Pastor, you're only giving support to why I would isolate myself, why I would pull away. Well, if, if, I, if I know them and let them know me, then that's when they can really hurt me, so I'll pull away. No, no, no. The reality is, while you may open up to some people that will hurt you and abandon you and, and burn you in some situations, you will also find that as you open yourself up to some people and love them well and love them with abandon, you will find a love that is reciprocated that you could not have imagined. I'm telling you, and this is more than just a matter at this moment, I love being your pastor. I love being your pastor. You know why? Because I have been loved by you. 
my wife and I, my family, we have been loved by you. And you, it's not always been roses, right? But you make it a joy to serve because you allow me to be real, to open myself up. There are people in this congregation that I can go to and I can say anything in the world to. I can pour out my heart to without any fear of condemnation. And you have allowed yourself to be an onocephorus for me. And, uh, and, and that, that's crucial. Matt and Allie, if you don't have that somewhere, you'll be so, so lonely and uh, you will find yourself wanting to walk away before your time is up. You're, you, this is your calling, and, and I just wanted to spend some time in this passage as Paul addresses this son in the ministry um, and just give you the reality of it. Um, to the church here today, to the rest of us, I, I would say to you uh, that ministry is an incredible calling. Here's what I'm praying, and I've told you this before. I'm praying that God would call many of you out of this place to go somewhere else to make much of him. I'm praying that for my own children. And I'm praying that for your children. But guess what? Youth, being young, is not a prerequisite of being called. So I'm also praying that some of you, maybe in the middle stages of your life, or in the latter stages of your life, that God would place a call on you. In my cohort at, at Southern Seminary, there's, uh, I've told you about him, this retired Army colonel who's sitting in there. He's around 60 years old, and he's just now uh, surrendered to a call to ministry, and he's gone back to school to get his doctorate so that he can serve in this vocational ministry that God's called him to. So this is what I'm praying for you. And you say, Pastor, you've not done a good job of making us want to follow that call today. You make it sound like it's all suffering. Listen. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else in the world. I started out by telling you I've heard, I've heard senior pastors and more senior pastors than me who, who've given advice to young guys. If you can imagine yourself doing anything else and be happy doing that, then go do that. I'm standing here before you as your pastor, as one who's been in vocational ministry since 1994. I have been through two different church splits. I've been in business meetings where police have been called. I've been through all of this junk, right? And I'm standing here before you today telling you, I can't think of one thing else in the world I can imagine myself doing and being happy doing it. This is a good and gracious calling. And Matt, we affirm that God has called you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are undeserving of your love. But God, you have indeed loved us well. God, you've loved us by sending your son to pay our price, to go to the cross in our place. But Lord, beyond the cross, and if you never went another step, Lord, it would be it would be understood, Lord, you're so incredibly gracious. But Lord, you continue to go beyond that. Lord, you call us to be holy. You tell us that, that you're going to make us like Christ. Lord, you call us to join you in the work that you're doing. To redeem people to you. And God, I thank you for that. It is, it is a gracious act. 
Lord, I pray for Matt and for Allie as, as they serve here in this church in ministry. God, I pray that this would be a place of joy for them to serve. That we as a faith family, Lord, would come around them. And Lord, that we would, we would serve them as they serve us. God, one day, if you call Matt and Allie away from Abner Creek and send them somewhere else, God, I pray that you'd take them and you'd use them, Lord. God, to make much of you that their lives would be this glorious picture of grace that is attractive and causes other people to see you and to value you. God, I pray that you'd use their words, Lord, as they, as they refuse to stray away from the sound teachings. And God, they point others to the, the scriptures. Lord, I, I just pray, God, that you would call more men and women to you. Lord, that you would call us out of our comfort zones, out of our lives as we know them. Lord, and that you might call us to this vocational calling, to a missionary calling. And God, if, if, if not this this special calling for this vocational ministry, Lord, that for every single believer that's a part of this faith family, Lord, that we would all know, that we would all sense this calling from you that right where we live and work and play, you've placed us there to be a minister of the gospel. As 2 Corinthians 5 says, that we would be ministers of reconciliation. God, I pray this for for our church, for your church, Lord, here. Lord, that you would be glorified. And we ask you, Lord, to call out workers for the harvest. Lord, to call them out and to send them to the nations. Missions, Lord, at this point exist because worship doesn't. So, Lord, I pray, God, until you tarry, until you come, Lord, call us, equip us, send us, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to give you an opportunity to reflect and respond. A lot of, most of the message today has been kind of targeted toward Matt and Allie. But perhaps you're here today and you know God has spoken to you. And you need to to just talk with someone about that. I'm going to be down here on the front. I'd love to speak with you. Uh, Perhaps you just need to pray or pray with somebody. There will be people through the doors to my right and to your left uh, in a prayer room that would love to just pray with you. Just hear your your prayer concern and just pray. They're not counseling you. They're just going to pray with you. Whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to today, we want to ask you to be obedient and to step out and follow him. As the musicians, as they lead us, you say yes. Let's continue to worship God. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.